what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Flight Deck Podcast. It's your host, TK, along with my guys, my two co-hosts, Mr. Matt Freeze and Mr. Omari Brown. What's up, fellas? What's up? What's up? How's everybody doing? Doing good. Uh, I mean, you know, even our season started a couple months ago, you know, maybe six weeks ago. Now, officially, the off-season didn't begin. It's season of hope. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, guys? I hope everyone uh, enjoyed or didn't enjoy the Super Bowl. I mean, I enjoyed the halftime show, but uh, that might just be me. But yeah, uh, draft season, off-season, free agency officially has uh, begun. So a lot to look forward to, speculate about, and uh, plenty of content uh, to come from us. So b- before we get into the season of hope, let's uh, kind of kick things off with the end of the, the season that was. Tom Brady went to the NFC, stole their milk money, their lunch money, and won the Super Bowl. And and I really don't like that. I, I, I don't. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I do want to say congrats to him on getting his seventh. I do feel he called an Uber to to that one rather than leading the team, but it is what it is. He did it. We didn't. So congrats to Tom Brady and the Bucks. But I want I, I want to know what y'all take is on. on Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, you gotta elaborate on that. How do you take the Uber? Because I think I agree with you. I feel like I was uh, we were like two of the like few people on earth that was saying that Brady went to a pretty stacked team. Exactly, and they so, just added more. So, so I've been having this argument with people for two days now because of my take on that. Um, and these people have this half-baked Skip Bayless hot take of Tom Brady led, led a bunch of scrubs a la LeBron James and the 0-3 Cavs to the Super Bowl. And I couldn't disagree with that more. Um, the man went to a a pretty stacked team a, a pretty it was a playoff caliber team Jameis Winston literally threw them out of 10 wins and I gave people examples of four different games where he threw either a pick six in overtime to lose a pick six against uh, San Francisco with a down one score in the red zone with under two minutes left two pick sixes against the Houston Texans where they lost 23 to 20 like I, I, I gave people all of this and I told them, he don't do that, or he only has 15 picks. That is a 10-11 win team easily because they had a 16th-ranked pass defense and a number one-ranked rush defense, which, by the way, was better than the rush defense they had this year, which is also number one. So, no, he didn't lead the, you know a team of scrubs. Yes, he led the team. Yes, he made them better. That's what greats do. But y'all got to stop that nonsense. Oh, he, yeah. He took an Uber. Matter of fact, he rode in the back seat and held his held the auxiliary cord. That's what he did. Oh yeah, and the, I mean the thing is, is that Brady got there and they added more talent, right? I mean, I think the Jaguars cut Fournette. AB came out and signed with them, and we're talking about a team that already had two, three good wide receivers. Gronk shows up, comes out of retirement. So let's not let you know. Let's hold the brakes a little bit here. And uh, relax. Yeah, Tom Brady's great. Yeah, Tom Brady has led teams with far less to to greater heights. Like, there's no denying that. But come on, man. This that wasn't was, one of those teams. That was that wasn't one of those nights. He's not. Ele- he can't. He's not elevating these guys any higher than they already are. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, he also had, I think, the the number one offensive line. 
Something, so, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I didn't really get into all of their numbers, but you know, I hear people j- just to cross reference a little bit. I always hear people talking about le- how much help LeBron needs. I mean, I think we could say, you know, Brady did get it done in the Super Bowl, but he threw three picks against Green Bay. If Aaron Rodgers runs that ball in, or if Matt Lafleur, you know, does the right thing and goes for it on fourth down, we're we're talking about a totally different thing right now. I was just annoyed because I was ready. I thought this was a perfect time to pass the torch. Tom Brady's last Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes is second. And I thought that it would have just been a great time to just solidify Patrick Mahomes as, you know, as what we all already think he is, which is probably going to end up being, you know, the greatest to probably ever do it at, at the quarterback position. I just thought it was, you know, I, I just don't, I just don't understand why everybody was waxing poetic about Tom Brady because this year, I think this is, I think this is the best offensive cast that Brady has ever had in his life. Ever. I oh, think like ever. when you look, you look at it, you got, Ronald Jones, who's a 1,200-yard back if you feed him the ball. Leonard Fournette is a top-five pick. Mike Evans, top top what? He was drafted Seven. seventh overall. Antonio Brown, Hall of Famer. Gronk, Hall of Famer. You know, Cameron Brait would be a tight end number one on, what, 80% of the teams in the league that don't have Kelsey, um, Kittle, and then those big-name tight ends. Like, you know, you got Scotty Miller. Like, they, they just got guys all over. You got Chris Godwin. Tristan Wirfs, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet. So they do have a solid team. And you look at that defense. That defense is that defense, that defense is loaded. Is loaded. Oh. And 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 shout out, listen, shout out to Mahomes, man. Like he made some throws. Like I don't know what was up with the Chiefs, man, but he made some throws. That that play where he's rolling to his left and he's getting tackled by JVP and he throws it up and it goes to the back corner of the end zone. Nobody else can make that play. Right. So I think that, you know. I think people are, are are getting a little bit ahead of themselves talking about that, you know, Patrick Mahomes won't be able to catch Brady. Or now I hear people say, I think Bart Scott said that now Deshaun Watson is probably on the same level as Patrick Mahomes and, and things to like that. I, I don't think we need to, I don't think we need to be prisoners of the moment. I think that Patrick Mahomes, I think this fuels him and I think he's right back in the Super Bowl next year. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I, I don't like the argument that just because Tom Brady beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl with a loaded roster, it means that Patrick Mahomes could never achieve such greatness. I don't, I think if I'm being honest in today's NFL, where you look at it, they protect the quarterback so heavily and Mahomes is what 25. So he's got yeah, solid 10 years, 11, 12, who knows, plays till 40, whatever. He'll be Brady. Say, in he might have 15 years. Oh, exactly. But it, with the NFL, the way it is now, he'll easily I'm, I can't stress this enough easily if everything remains constant, if Andy Reid stays there, he'll easily achieve the same, at least yardage touchdowns, everything across the board there. Super Bowls remains to be seen, but there's no doubt in my mind that he gets back there next year. Oh, oh yeah, man. I, I, I said that earlier on, uh, you know, my other other shows, you know, he's, he's going back to the Super Bowl with, without a doubt in my mind next year. Um, but again, man, people are, are downing him as if they didn't really watch the game. Like you said, Amar, people are prisoners of the moment, but if you watch that game, the amount of time he was under duress with just a four man front with seven people dropping the coverage then and still made the plays that he made and had to deal with um had to deal with wide receivers dropping the ball, Kelsey dropping balls. Like 
three you hit three people in the end zone and and and, and they drop it. So like, yeah. come on, man. It, yeah, it, 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 it is it what it is. It was tough to watch, honestly. Like I like I had it on. I was I was watching something else, but I had it on showing. I just saw him like every drop back. I I saw a stat today. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Mahomes was pressured on 82% of his dropbacks or 85% of his dropbacks or something like that. It was a new record. 57 times out of however many. How much? It was like 57 times out of like 60-something dropbacks, and Brady was pressured five times out of like 70, which is – No, no, guys. It was was like that, and and it came out today that he was playing with turf toe. So I think think that performance – I think that performance is really great with all things considered. You know, I I knew that it was going to be – uh, a uphill battle because I know Shaq Barrett and JPP; those guys are legit. Those are mm-hmm. those are some stud pass rushers. But I did not expect it to be like that. Um, uh, yeah, I yeah, he didn't, he didn't have a chance. And the Chiefs, you know, they 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 throw the ball to open up the run. They don't run to open to open up right. the throw. Mm-hmm. So yep, if yep. you can't throw, then you become one dimensional. Those those guys aren't, you know, those, those guys aren't really, you know, opening holes like that to run. So it was just, you know, it was just honestly, they got hot to. Um, Two tackles missing. It, it was it was just rough to watch, but I think we can all agree that Mahomes will be back, and I don't think people should start writing him off. And honestly, I could see Kansas City reloading this offseason rather than, you know, just trying to you know keep everything together. I think that they make some some shrewd moves, and they'll be right back, just like what you guys all said. I bet the first pick is a lineman. One of the first two picks will be a lineman. Listen, I I like I like the lineman crop this year. Except yeah. I think I think some guys are being overvalued, but I. I I love the the lineman crap this year, and you know that, that's actually a great segue, TK, because week before that was the Senior Bowl, and then we, you know, we love the Senior Bowl. We love to watch the one on ones, and and this is good though because this Senior Bowl is going to actually be really important because as you guys know, because of COVID, this is the times that we're living in right now. A lot of these coaches, scouts, GMs are not going to get a, a up close look at a lot of these guys because there's no combine. So the Senior Bowl, which was actually cool to see. They actually built a new stadium down there in Mobile, Alabama. They had the American versus the national team. And it was yeah. uh, head coached by the Dolphins and the Panthers. So shout out to those coaching staffs for getting the first look at some of these guys. But um, I don't know. What did you guys think about the game? Matt, I'll ask you first. Uh, competitive. Um, I thought it was good. But like like you kind of alluded to, the, the one-on-ones are really where you can kind of get a good idea of what, you know, what you're looking at draft-wise, the talent that you could potentially see and how it translates to the next level. But overall, I mean, the game was good. A couple of standouts here, a couple of standouts there that I'm sure we'll all get into. But uh, I took a lot more from the one-on-ones than I think uh, the game itself. Gotcha. Yeah, I love I love the one-on-ones. I think now that they have their own stadium and they probably have their own facility and their own setup, I can see the Senior Bowl being turned into something huge. What I would want to see, and, I, and I'm actually bouncing this off of you guys, they should do something for the underclassmen especially this year, maybe it doesn't have to be an all-star game, but maybe you just do like a week of practices where everybody's just competing. I don't know how that would work. Um, you know, I don't know how that would work. Maybe, you know, you guys don't want to risk injury, but if there's not going to be a scouting combine, you know, there's just probably only but so much you're going to do at a pro day. Maybe, maybe they'll do more because there's no combine. There should definitely be something this year for the underclassmen. Um, uh, Ty, did you get a chance to, to watch the game? If so, what, what were some of your takeaways? So I, I went back and uh, I, I didn't watch the full game because, you know, had so much going on. But what what I did watch and what I did see, um, a lot of big names dropped. 
that that you know they they the, the people that we thought you know would be standouts were, were not standouts and then you had kids come out of nowhere who you you know well not for us because like this is what we we do like we talk about this throughout the year not just you know end of the year we watch these kids grow from you know the first week of school up until the bowl game so but you know for others um and, and and we see this every year, Mari, you know, in the various groups or whatever. You have kids, you know, become pri- uh make people prisoners of the moment with their senior bowl performances and and so on and so forth. And you know, we'll get into those, but I, I saw a few of those. Um and then I, I saw others, you know, and I was like, Man, you you really you really cost yourself some money. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I can see that. And uh, so who would you say? So, so Matt, I know that you, that, that you uh, took a lot of time. You're, you're like me, you really get into like the one-on-ones and you really love that. Uh, who would you, all right, let's first, let's talk about the guys who made themselves some money. Okay. Uh, I think we got to start right at the top. I think Kadarius Tony from uh, Florida. I think he, I mean, everyone already had him up there on top of, uh, I think he was ranked as a top five wide receiver or something like that in the class, but I saw a lot of people, you know, early second, mid second, maybe back in first sneak in there. But I think just watching his one on ones, he was just showcasing. I mean, from elite route running, he was leaving defenders in the dust. I I think me and Amari both kind of agree on this is that when you have a guy who runs good routes, I think that that is almost just as important as being fast. I think you can get, you know, decent separation just by having crisp good route running. So Jerry I think he's Rice. someone that really jumped off the off the page for me, especially in the one-on-ones. I don't think I saw anyone really blanket coverage him, even at, even in press, which is impressive because I don't think he's exactly the biggest guy. I think he's like 5'11". 5'10". Yeah, 5'11". He's like 5'11", 195. But he's really – like, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm just going to do this parallel or, or, or this uh, comparison. Percy Harvin, he just reminds – even though Percy was 5'10", very bouncy. he bigger. Yeah, he played. You know, if you guys remember Percy Harvin, they like they throw fades to him at five ten. So oh, yeah, yeah I, I saw Tony. I saw Tony leave. What was it? It might have been Melifanu. He left him in his. He left him in the dust when they were doing goal. Guys were chasing him. They were turning yeah, their backs to the quarterback. They were chasing him. Yeah, and he got. He had guy. He was leaving guys without double moves. Like he, oh. he was leaving guys on his single moves. So I, I really, I really liked what he did. And I think his top end speed to play as well, too. I think he was able – not only did he get separation from good route running, but his, his he has that next level, that next gear where he was really getting separation with speed. So not only was he getting the initial separation from the route running, but he was able to really distance himself, which is not something you see from a lot of guys. I mean, every wide receiver is different, but it, it was very impressive. I mean, the only real down thing that I saw is he seems to have concentration drops, I guess I want to call it, where he's okay. – he he doesn't it, it doesn't look like he's a natural catcher of the ball sometimes where he'll he'll try to look it in but he'll drop it because he was concentrating or lacking concentration it it really is it's kind of an anomaly but other than that I don't think there was much I can say that I saw in the one on one specifically where I was like eh you know he's not exactly what everyone's hyping him up to be I think he's better than what people think he is good good all right all right who else stood out to you give me two more names. Um, I thought Demetric Felton looked good. The running back from UCLA, they had him one lining of up in the. Uh, oh yeah, they had him lining up at uh, at wide receiver a lot, and that the route running again. And I'll com- continue to harp on it. I think route running is 
the most important trade a wide receiver can have. So they had him lining up. He was he was getting good separation, great round running. He was even able to get through the press on the bigger corners, which I thought was kind of impressive because I don't think he again I don't think he's the biggest the biggest guy and you know at UCLA I don't uh, from what I saw I don't think he's a uh, he's taking reps at wide receiver you know regularly getting pressed regularly so I, I thought he really impressed me um, good speed and and I think that in today's NFL having a running back that can catch the ball and line up on the outside is really important because you see the good teams like the Chiefs who draft you know Clyde Edwards Alaire who can catch it out of the backfield he can run between the tackles bounce it outside but he can also catch it and has you know decent you know movement in space so I thought he really jumped off the page for me and one more guy on offense uh if you hmm. have one uh, I guess, I mean, another one of the guys that I really like in the draft that I've uh, kind of have an affinity for lately is Sage Surratt, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest. I know I, I'm pretty sure we, we said that he took the year off. Am I? Yeah, he opted out. Oh, yeah. And, and we thought that he might be a little, you know, slow to get back into the swing of things and, and whatnot. And I got to tell you that he's a – first of all, I think he's a big boy. I think he's like 6'3". Oh, yeah. Like that. yeah. He's, yeah, a, he's, yeah. he's big, one of my guys. Boy. And I, I, I've liked him, and he's actually the brother of Chaz Surratt, the, the middle linebacker from uh, North Carolina. Yeah, converted um, quarterback. Chaz? That? Chaz yeah. is a converted quarterback. Yeah. Yep. But uh, the only uh, – I, I saw a lot of, you know, measurables with Sage where I was, like, looking. I'm like, first of all, he's a big body. Mm-hmm. You know, a nice red zone threat. Not a guy that's going to burn past you with his speed, but he can easily beat the press, especially on smaller corners has great hands and a huge catch radius, huge catch radius. Um, and again, I, I will go back to it. I do think he, as a bigger wide receiver, sometimes it's a little harder to get in and out of your cuts. So I think his route running definitely needs some work, but as far as, you know, getting space against the press, he can do it. The only other downside I was really able to find from him was he was kind of slow off the line of scrimmage. But other than that, between the hands, the catch radius, Stuff like that. He's he's going to be a, a good player and potentially the third, fourth, maybe fifth round. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where he's being mocked to, but I, I've seen mocks all over. But yeah, so I think those yeah. would be three guys that I really uh, really enjoyed. I like Surat. I like Surat. You know, it's you know I respect anybody who for who for went who opted out of the season, but I thought that this year would have been really good for him. I like big receivers that play big. Um, I'll give you my three guys that I thought that made money and um, She Smith. Guy has wheels, uh, looked really good in one-on-ones, wide receiver out of South Carolina. Um, there are a ton of wide receivers in this draft, and it's going to be one of those, you know, just it's going to be your preference. She's a smaller guy, 5'10", shiftier guy. Um, I thought he was more of a burner, but he had he showed great hands throughout the entire week. One guy you guys have been talking, I've sent, his, I've sent some game film in about him. I've sent his highlight tape to you guys, Michael Carter. Running back from UNC was, I think he made himself a ton of money. I think he pushed himself from being a fifth or sixth round running back into the late second to third round range. I think he's definitely going to be a day two number guy because you could he could come in and he can be uh, if, if if he can block well, um, you know that's a huge thing. But he can definitely be um, a third down type of back because he runs tough in between the tackles and he can catch the. He's very comfortable catching the pass too. 
Um, and they, uh, UNC had two running backs go over a thousand yards this year. He, he and Javante Brown are both going to be drafted. So I love Michael Carter, what he's going to be able to do. And I think that he made himself a, a bunch of money. Uh, third, I had from the, uh, oh, I had Kadarius Tony. And I also like Josh Palmer, wide receiver from Tennessee. I thought that he really, I thought that he really stood out during the week. Uh, played against SEC competition throughout the season. I thought that he looked really well. He separated well. He um, not not a not a huge guy. I don't think. I think he's around that six one six two height. Uh, yeah, he's six two. That's what the school has him at, and he plays big as well too. So I think the uh, the Jets are going to be looking. You know, Jets going to be in the market for a receiver like him, and I think that he could be had between rounds four through six. So I think those guys did a, a really good job of separating themselves. And um, you know, and basically opening the eyes of some of the scouts or anybody that was able to be there. Uh, what about you, TK? So, man, uh, both of y'all kind of named a lot of the, the the offensive players that I had. Um, but I, I I'll stick with offense because I, I had maybe about four or five different ones. One of the guys that 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 I feel really elevated himself and, and, and showed his worth um, is Amari Rogers. Mm-hmm. Now we know how big, you know, red zone efficiency is in the NFL and, and how having that big red zone target, you know, is very important for every single team. Like we don't have one at all. Um, but he caught what two red zone touchdowns in the senior bowl. Um, yeah, I know. I know he caught one. I, I don't know if I saw the other one. I I, th- I think if I'm not mistaken, he he caught. He looked. He, yeah, caught he, two. Looked, he looked really good. I know he at least had one. Um, but and and you know, and I like that he did it from the slot. He created separation from the slot. You know, in the red zone, like I I, I think he he really helped himself. I mean, it, it's always it's already something about those Clemson receivers anyway. Um, I don't know where they find these kids from, but you know, Clemson has been wide receiver you for a while now, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, but but he was one. Um man, uh my my other ones are kind of uh defensive. I will give a shout out to uh Quinn Miners, the the, the mm-hmm. offensive lineman from uh you know the D three school. Uh UW Whitewater. Yeah. You know, he he, I think he made himself more money than anybody. Probably for the yeah. for the simple yeah. fact that he, you know, without that performance, he was probably bordering on seven undrafted. round, six seven round walk yeah, on. Undrafted. You know, UDFA. Ali Marpet did the same thing. Ali Marpet exactly. RPI. RPI is a little school in Rochester. Yeah, RPI is a little school in Rochester. D three. I actually played against them. Yeah, so Ali Marpet did the same thing. So. Yeah. Right, listen, there's been a lot of guys that have come out of D3 schools that are, that have gone on to do some good things, man. Fred Jackson went to a D3 school. Uh, who else? Danny Woodhead went D2, I think. But uh, D3, Pierre Garçon went to Mountain Union. That's a yeah. D3 school. And now Ali Marpet. So if you can play, these guys are going to find you. Yeah. And it was uh, – and I, I can't I, – I, I always forget his name. But it was a, a guard from Grambling University. Guard from Grambling. 
Yeah. Uh, it's all right. Talk a little bit about and, him. Let's see. Well, he he had a, he had a really nice week in practice, man. He turned a lot of heads. The only knock with him is that his build is not prototypical. It's not ideal. Like he he comes in, and he's like six one and a half, six two. He's not a a really big guy, but he has a solid frame, solid trunk, and he can move. Yeah, yeah. And his, name, his name is David Moore. David Moore. That's what it is. Um, I think he he made himself a few bucks as well. Um, and it, it goes back to what you said earlier, man, about this this lineman class this year. It will be a lot of talent to be had uh, outside of the first two rounds. And I'm really hoping that they do You know, they're doing their homework oh, because yeah. we 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 can use it. Oh yeah, I mean, between the offensive line you know, depth at, at both, you know, tackle and the interior as well as the wide receiver depth. I mean, we're coming off what a, a historical wide receiver draft last year. Yeah. Yes. One of the, I mean, one of the best or probably the best in recent memory for me, but this, this, everyone said that you can't top last year's wide receiver, you know, crop of guys, but, and I'm not saying by any means this one, this is better because it's, you know, remains to be seen, but this is no wide receiver class to, you know, doubt. Because yeah. there's just guys like like we referenced earlier, Sage Serrata, Mari Rogers, Shai Smith, guys that can be had potentially in the third, fourth, fifth round that are potential either day one contributors, you know, as a three, two, whatever, and even on special teams. So this this class from wide receiver and an offensive line perspective is is pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think uh, just so we have another guy for you, TK. I think Dylan Raddins. Made himself a lot of money. Spencer Brown, that's Northern yeah. Iowa, right? For Spencer Brown. Mm-hmm. Alaric yeah. Jackson, the tackle for Iowa. Yep. Added to the list. Yep. So so basically what we're saying to y'all folks is that if they don't get Sewell, you know, or if they don't get Slater, it's all right. Oh, it's, they, it's, it's more than all right. It's, it's talent to be had. And uh, before I forget, you know, we, we'll actually like – start going in depth with, with, you know, different people um, and posting on our page to get, you know, give, give you guys more information, make you more familiar with the, the names that you may not know that's not being tossed around. Because like I said, this is what we love to do. I, I think we, we enjoy this part more than the actual season. Oh. Well, you've seen the teams that we've been watching. So, yeah, we enjoy this part more than watching the actual games. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, all of that will be coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, do you guys want to jump into a couple of defensive guys that maybe, you know, had a little bit of a – That know, made themselves some money? Out a little bit in the one-on-ones? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, want to, you want to go first or uh, – I mean, I can start with the obvious one. I mean, I think I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, our boy Carlos. Boogie. Basham. Our boy. Uh when I say this guy's a top 15 talent that for whatever reason on, you know, this green earth, I, I for the likes of me, I couldn't figure out why people had him going in the, in the top of the second round. I, I don't know. Cause this guy has everything you want for us. It's pretty much a perfect fit. Right. I mean, yes. put him at four, three end, right. Absolutely. He has the frame and you just let him do work. A la Nick Bosa. Right. I mean, I'm not going to say he's Nick Bosa, but when I look at him from a technical standpoint, I don't see a, a, a pass rusher, edge rusher, DN that's 
more technically sound than him. And I think me and Amari have been riding this guy since last year. Oh, yes. definitely, you know? since, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely since before maybe spring or summer. I think that oh. he, I think he should be edge number one, to be honest. Oh, without a yeah, doubt. I think, yeah, he should be edge number one. I have him ahead of Quiddy Pay. Quiddy Pay is a is an awesome dynamic run stopper, but I feel what Basham brings, what Basham worked on going into his, from his junior to senior year as far as uh, um, his technique and his counter moves, he, he's a complete player now. And I, for some reason, I don't know why he's not. He's at least top 20. You know, I, I could understand the with the QBs. Yeah, I can understand with the QBs and things like that, him getting pushed to maybe uh, the 20s. But he, I think he's edge number one. I don't know. I don't understand how Ojolari is ahead of him. I don't understand how As- Asai is even ahead of him in some in some regards. I don't understand how Pay is ahead of him. And I do not understand how Greg Rousseau is ahead of him when Rousseau was the third best pass rusher on his college team. So, oh, amazing. Yeah. It's 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 amazing to me. I think people just see six foot six or six foot seven and fifteen and a half bogus sacks, and they just going crazy about that. But you know, I mean, we we could we could break him down when we do the um, the positional breakdown. But uh, who, who's uh, two more guys for you, Matt? Well, let's see. All right, uh, not too many corners to really talk about um, now. Mind me, because I'm probably gonna pronounce this guy's name wrong. Ifitu Melanfanwu. Yep. Does that sound, yeah, sound good? Yeah. All right. So CB from Syracuse, brother of Obi. Uh, I forget where he got drafted. Did he get drafted to uh, Dallas? Dallas? No, Obi got drafted to the Raiders, I want to say. He was a second-round pick of the Raiders. Raiders, yeah. Okay, the Raiders. All right. Blew up the uh, Where'd he go? You? I, I don't remember. He was oh, he had one of the best combines you ever yeah. seen out of UConn. He was a combine warrior. Yeah, listen, man, him and Byron Jones and UConn dudes, man, they'll, blow, they'll light up the combine. Oh, yeah. But the only difference is is that I think uh, Ifitu is just more technically – he's the same size. I think he's actually an inch taller than Obi. I think he's 6'4 and Obi's 6'3. Okay. But when, when, I, when I say – when I say big corner, we automatically think, you know, like Richard Sherman, right? I mean, big, big press man corner or zone yeah. corner, I'm sorry. Ifitu has some of the smoothest hips that I saw in the one-on-ones out of all the CBs. I mean, I didn't see a lot of CBs, you know, sticking out, but from, from a technique standpoint and, and flipping his hips when the wide receivers are going deep on him and, you know, recovery speed, everything like that. Uh, I didn't see a corner that was better than him. I think, you know, even just his size alone says, Hey, I can play some man coverage, you know, get up on the line, press the bigger wide receivers. And I feel like every team needs a corner, especially if they're going to be running some sort of man zone hybrid, that they can go up to the line of scrimmage and really press those bigger guys, those Mike Evans of the world. Um, so, yeah, I think that he's definitely has better coverage skills than his brother. And I, I think that he really stood out to me in the one-on-ones. I didn't get to see a lot of him in the uh, the actual game, but from uh, just the one-on-one perspective, I, I think he really stood out and made himself some money. Gotcha. All right. All right. You got any more guys? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a guy that maybe not a lot of people know about, an edge guy, Wyatt, Wyatt Huber from uh, Kansas State. Uh, in the one-on-ones, he was really kind of just bullying guys. I mean, sometimes he would get stonewalled, but his initial, he doesn't have that elite first step that everyone likes to see. But I think after that first step, the burst and, and his ability to engage and disengage from the, the, the tackle or even from the interior maybe um, – Really impressive. He has a good good spin move. Uh, uh, I didn't really see a lot of people using a spin move in the one-on-ones, but 
he definitely stood out and he, and he does have the ability to convert from more of a finesse to power, power to finesse moves. He did get bodied a little bit from some of the bigger tackles, but overall, I think there's potential there. Maybe a, a fourth round, fifth round edge rusher guy that you can put in on third downs just to rush the pass, passer. But overall, I, I was impressed with him. Nice. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. For defense, um, and I alluded to this a little before, Greg Russo being the third best pass rusher on his team, the third, the second best pass rusher on Miami is Quincy Roche. And Quincy Roche had himself a hell of a week. Uh, you clearly saw the speed. He is a speed rusher, and he can get to the edge. His game, especially, uh, he he just he bullied Alex Leatherwood. Oh, and Leatherwood is probably going to be uh, Leatherwood is a day one guy, depending on who you look. I could definitely see him going. I could definitely see him going in the twenties, but I could also see him going in the thirties as well. Quincy Roche, I, I think I saw him beat him for four sacks. I thought uh, nice. beating him to the edge every time. And it was just it was just something to see. And uh, Roche didn't look as small. He's listed sometimes some some places have him listed at two thirty five, but he looked a little bit bigger than that. So it was good to see that he worked on his body. Uh, I love his I love the way he fights with his hands. He has a good rip move. He keeps his arm extended. I like that. Robert Rochelle, guy from a small school, Central Arkansas. He's a pretty big corner. I think that he looked decent. He's, you know, especially you like to see those small school guys step up to the competition and really play against uh, some of the guys from the bigger schools. So cornerback, 6'2", 195. Uh, as you guys all know, I like I like bigger corners, especially on the outside. I, I, to me, I love corners 6'2 and up, but I know that they're not just growing on trees. So 6'2", 195, I like that, long arms. And um, now that the Jets are going to be playing uh, more 43, Jabril Cox. I think Jabril Cox is a is one of the best off-ball linebackers in this draft. He's a sideline to sideline playmaker. And I think um, if you if you're in the fourth round, because the Jets don't have any any off-ball linebackers worthy worthy of mentioning besides uh, C.J. Mosley. And C.J. Mosley, we don't know what he's going to look like. He had the injury-riddled season. He missed an entire year, so he's going to be rusty. I think uh, you could plug Jabril Cox in, have him playing some weak side chasing, running chase. I think he'd be a great addition to Salah's defense. So I thought those three guys stood out. Um, they didn't make any – I wouldn't really say they made any splash plays. Cox, of course, you know, linebackers can – you know, they could – rally up the tackles in an all-star game. But I thought that they all played well and acquitted themselves. And hopefully they have another chance to, uh, you know, prove their skill in these coming weeks. Uh, who, do, who did you think uh, on defense stood out, TK? So let me just go back to about uh, Leatherwood. <laughs> Man, I was, I was shocked. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, that that really yeah, yeah but really you know what? More, you know, you know, let's save that because we're gonna talk about the guys who who lost some money. So we okay. can save that. Yeah, we can say you could start off. Give us your give us your two or three guys who made some money, and then we'll just transition right into guys who who lost money. All right. So for my uh, for my defensive players, man, you mentioned you like big cornerbacks, six two, so on and so forth. I got one for you, man. I saw him, and I had to go back and look him up. Um, and I don't know how I missed him this this long. Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota, 6'3", 205. And he was a flat-out menace in, in this game, man. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm going to send you guys some, some footage of him. 
he's probably going to be the first one that I do a write up about. Um, but he would be ideal. You know, a lot of people talked about, you know, Richard Sherman coming over with Sala. This dude can be, you know, that. Okay. Um, you know, with his size, with his length, um, with his, his cover skills. Like, dude only played, uh, like, last year he started, uh, I think he started He started nine games and had, I, I want to say, 11 pass breakups. Um, this year he only played five games and had three pass breakups. But he also had a, a few tackle for losses. And, and, and like I said, like he was he was a nightmare in the game, man. He had three breakups in the senior bowl and was holding people down. So that that's my number one defensive player who who made himself some money. Um they've had it mocked as as high as the fifth round. Uh and and if you get him in the fifth, you 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 gotta steal. I'm telling y'all right now. Um All right, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. We'll put him in the uh We'll put him in the sleepers category for this offseason. He's our 2021 sleeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, y'all kind of you know talked about some of the guys I it, I had, and it's 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 funny how we don't really talk about it, but when we do come together to talk about it, we have pretty much like a lot of the same you know people. Um, I, I think I think Baron Browning. Made a few dollars. Ohio, Ohio State, State linebacker, yeah. Um, you know he he showed his ability to, to get in the backfield. Had a two or three tackles for loss. Um, he he attacks you know the ball downhill. I'm not sure how well he would be you know if he had to cover anybody. Um, but in the run game, he 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 showed you know what he could do. Um. Uh, so I, I think he he helped himself a lot, and um, KJ Britt, Auburn, mm-hmm. all over the field. Um, he's probably one of the better ta- uh, tacklers coming out too. Okay. Um, but uh, it, he he he's he has you know quick feet, good lateral movement. Um, he has a good nose for the ball. He he can cover some. He he had a couple tip passes, you know, in the Senior Bowl. Um, so he he's another guy I think really helped himself, and and should be one to watch. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, all right. Now let's go. It doesn't have to be three, but who who lost some money that week? Ah. Uh... I mean, obviously, we, we already touched upon Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, um, but no, no, break it down. Let us, let us know what you see. Now, if you miss uh, anything, I'll add it, too. They tried everything, I think, to line him up in a position where maybe he would be competitive against some of these guys. I mean, we're talking about every rusher, whether it's, you know, from a 3-5, even interior, uh, you know, pass rushers. But Leatherwood was getting bodied by everyone. And, I, and that's not to take away from, like, guys like Quint, uh, Quincy Roche, who's just, you know, he's just technically sound. He's a great edge rusher. He was doing that to everyone. Yeah, he's a second-round pick. Oh, without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. And if, and, uh, and sorry to cut you off. Uh, I'll let you finish your point. And if, if I saw him go out, like, 28 
or thirty, not I would shocked. be like, I'd be like, that's fine too. Oh yeah, not not shocked at all. But when I when when I say Leatherwood just kind of fell off the map, I'm talking about potentially falling, not even out of the the back end of the first. I'm talking about like back end of the second type pick now. I mean, they tried to move him to the interior to more of a guard position, which I think we kind of agreed that maybe that would be a better fit for him, you know, given maybe he's, he has a slow kick set and whatever. But that man lost so much, so much money. And I'm sure someone's going to draft him, draft him high because the measurables are there and you could teach technique and, and, and whatnot. But, uh, man, that was just rough, especially because I was kind of – I don't want to say too high on him, but I was hoping maybe – you could find him at that back end of the uh, back end of the first, maybe uh, top of the second. But I think he's fallen off the map. And to be honest with you, I would kind of stay away. Um, uh, to me, I saw that too. I, I I would I saw him. He did pretty good against some of the um, you know you know the the less skilled guys. I saw him do. I thought I saw him do pretty good against Shaka Tony, but I, I could have got thrown off. But um, the guys that I was really paying attention to. Uh, like Roche, the guys that are going to be, you know, the type of caliber of guys that he's going to be playing against if he's a starter, which he will be if he's drafted in the in the first round. Guys like Roche, that's who he's going to be going against, you know, 60 to 70 times a game. And uh, this, so that's what I was really, really looking for. Um, not to jump on the, the Alabama guys, Deontay Brown did not look that good either. No. That dude, man, listen, if you got to get – he's a massive guy. He's got to lose some weight. Because his lateral movement is damn near non-existent, uh, they called it. They called a screen in the game, and homeboy looked like he he didn't like he didn't look athletic at all. It was actually um, it was actually pretty bad to watch. I saw him get beat across his face a couple times. Um, yeah, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have to do some some technical work, which is odd though because they played next to each other, right? Um, that was the left side of Alabama's line, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's the left side of their line. So I, I was really shocked to see uh, th- those two struggle that much. Um, also, Patrick Jones, I've been talking about him this entire time. He definitely he had a sack during the game, but he was pretty he he was non-existent all week. He's got a problem. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. And you know, I'm not going to hold a senior you know a senior bro practice week against him because I you know I do think that. As a designated pass rusher, I think he does have some value there in the third or fourth round. Um, Rashad Weaver also kind of let me down, another pick guy, both All-Americans. I was expecting, you know, we've talked about Jones and Weaver at nauseum amongst ourselves. And for some reason they had, I don't, I don't know if they were trying to just show positional versatility or just to show something else that he could do, but seeing, um, uh, um, I'm sorry, Rashad Weaver line up at three techniques so much kind of threw me off. Didn't make sense. I think, yeah, I think that he's a four, three base end all day. Um, you know, I mean, you could, you know, you could put him at, you could put him at three, four outside linebacker and just have him rush, you know, keep contain, maybe stuff like that. But I thought that he was, I thought that he was a little non-existent for the week. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that's pretty much it. I wasn't impressed with any of the quarterbacks at all. A lot of them looked rusty. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I just, I got one more for you, though. I got a guy that I think preseason uh, might have been an All-American. Preseason, everyone had him, you know, top of the first round, you know, early first round, top end. Marvin Wilson, the deep. I tackle. was just about – that was going to be the one I said. When, when Marvin I was, Wilson, the deep. He fell off a cliff. FSU. Every pro, – leading up to the Senior Bowl, every mainstream guy was saying this – it just doesn't make sense how you, how you, you go from – 
this this astronomical fall from first top 15, top 20 prospect all the way down to I've seen him as late as fourth round. Mm-hmm. That guy, everyone was saying, hey, he's got to show us something. And that guy got straight up dominated in the one-on-ones every time. He literally just looks like he – maybe he's a run stuffer. Maybe he's the Dexter Lawrence of this year, which don't get me started about Dexter Lawrence. I mean, he was overdrafted, but different story. Um, Marvin Wilson just looks like the prototypical just take up space, never going to be an interior – never going to have that interior pass rush ability. He's just holding people up. And and I just – I didn't see it with him. I saw him getting dominated at the line of scrimmage. And what a letdown. Not that we're in the market for a DT – I mean, maybe, maybe we are, maybe we're not. Um, but, geez, that, it was just brutal. I mean, bad day for the Alabama guys. Bad day for some Power Five, uh, Power Five school players, I guess. I, I honestly, uh, TK, you got to jump in with anything on Marvin Wilson? Nah, he he pretty much he he nailed it with, with what he said. Yeah. I was surprised too. My only thing would be um, Florida State. Like, like when guys go to school sometimes, I know a lot of things happen. Like, you know, he didn't just – that talent didn't just leave. So, you know, like there was a lot – yeah, there's been a lot going on with Florida State. So, I think that he'll still probably get drafted in the third or fourth round, something like that. You'll, you'll, you'll see something like that. Timmy Jernigan kind of fell too. That that kind of happens with guys. So, you know, I, I don't really want to – I don't really want to, you know, jump on him, but no, I don't want to make it seem like we're attacking these guys. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. I know. Yeah, I know. Like, there's, there's a lot that goes on, but like when I see things like that, we're like when we're just baffled, like what could have happened. I start to look at the environment they were in and things like that. So I hope, hopefully, he can, he can kind of get that together. But yeah, I think you had a lot of turnover this year. In the one on ones, man, the DBs were getting cooked. I, 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 there wasn't. I'm trying to think of one DB that kind of like. Stood out to me. That's E fee too for me. Yeah. Just oh no no Richie Grant. R- yeah, Richie. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, Richie Grant. Uh there. safety from yeah, I think that he's safety number one or should be on most boards. Yep. Um yeah, Richie Grant made himself some money. University of Central, Central Florida. Florida. Yep. yep, Central Florida. So he looked good too. So what I mean, what helped him good. was that they had him outside a corner and in the slot as well. Yeah, coverage ability. Yeah, he 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 can cover. And, that's, and that's super valuable. I also think that the coaches kind of – I think the the coaching staffs, just to touch on the cornerbacks and why they looked maybe a little more poor than they, porous than they, they were, is that the coaches had them kind of lining up in like press man for, for some plays, and then they would have, you know, the wide, receiver, the, the wide receivers would be running quick slants and they'd be playing off man. So they, they'd try to gauge their closing ability on a slant or a quick route or stuff like that. So, you know, maybe we'll give the CBs a pass. But, again, like even in some of just the, the press man stuff – just getting torched, torched. Gotcha. I didn't see anyone outside of Efitu where I was like, "That guy is going to be worth, you know, even even a high mid middle round pick." So, but maybe that's yeah. just me. But they they did the the coaches weren't putting them in the best positions to succeed. I think they were kind of also trying to gauge because we got to remember the staffs for these things are, are professional coaches. Right, so they're trying to also gauge how. You know, they, they, they would play in, in certain schemes. In certain and, situations, exactly. yeah, and how they compete in certain things like that, too. Yeah, yeah I, I can understand that. Oh, I don't want to get off this topic before, without saying Nico Collins looked really good, too. Uh, wide receiver from Michigan. He looked really good. I was kind of disappointed that Austin Watkins Jr. from UAB, they, I, that's just how I like my receivers. Six two, like from 6'1", 6'3", 205, and, and up. 
you know, possession receivers, guys that go get, you know, that they catch the ball, go get their first down, and then, you know, big yak guys. So hopefully he'll have a chance to 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 prove himself as well. But um, so so what do you guys think? So leading into that, do you think that there should be with everything happening with COVID and you know, we're still in this pandemic, depending on where you are and now, TK, I know you're you're in the south, so it's a little bit more lenient than we are here. Um, they need to do something for the underclassmen. If you know, they, like there's no there's no combine. There has to be something for the under underclassmen. That maybe since they have that, then maybe they could do an underclassmen bowl or something like that. But it, it's it's going to be really tough to. Are they not letting them do uh, campus campus workouts like open campus workouts? Nothing like Are that. They? I'm pretty sure I saw something about that. I'm not. I'm not don't quote me on it. Yeah. But are but um how many how many people are going to be allowed at the? I think it's all like uh, via like telecom or something. It's all like virtual. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe. See, I mean, like you can't really get a yeah, you can't really get a feel of how explosive, how big, how long a guy yeah. is virtually. No, I, I know what you mean. So I, I, I say all that. Yeah, I say all that to say I think we're going to see a lot of trades for commodities. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty. So I think there's going to be a lot of trades and this is going to uh, transition right into our, our next topic. Um, I think more teams are going to be willing to give up their first round picks because Adam Schefter and uh, a few other piece, uh, places and people have reported that the Jets are going to be fielding offers if they decide to leave, uh, to move on from Sam, that they're, that they're getting offered first round picks for Sam. What do you guys think about that? Uh, I think that the current market, and obviously I don't think we, we've spoken since the Stafford trade broke, but I think the current market dictates it. I mean, you got to go based on on what's out there right now. I mean, Stafford, a 32-year-old quarterback, is going for two first-rounders, I think a third, and then they're swapping a bad contract, which is whatever. But Sam is seven years younger. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, what they, they throw that first round out for him. I, I think it's justified because when you look around and you see even the Wentz rumors, stuff like that, First of all, Wentz's contract is brutal. It's it's awful. It's, it's one of the worst in football. It's worse that, than I think it's worth. They owe him. They owe him more money than um, than the Rams owed Goff, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think the dead cap on 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 uh, is it's sixty million. It, it, yeah, it, it's absurd. It's, it's a terrible contract. <laughs> yeah. But I guess when you look at it and you look at what these guys are going for, you know, Stafford, I think is a good quarterback. I think we already kind of discussed him, but when you look at what these guys are going to go for, I think a a mid mid to late first for Sam is justifiable. Do I think we're going to get the haul that, that the, uh, the lions got for Stafford got for Stafford? Absolutely not. But a a mid to late first for Sam. Yeah. I could see it for a 25 year old quarterback that is kind of a reclamation project that maybe you can, you you can definitely salvage his career because he's young enough. Gotcha. You just need to have a coaching staff that believes that they can do it. Gotcha. TK, what do you think about that? What teams do you see like in that late, that late first round? I'm, I'm trying to think about teams that, that, that will make, you guys know how I feel about saying, right. I, I don't think that there's no way. I don't think there's any way that he is, uh, that, that somebody gives up a first for him. So I could be wrong, but I, I, I'm anxious. I'm, you know, anxious to see what, uh, what you think about that. So let, let me just backtrack real quick to you, Matt. He's only 23. Sam. Yeah, so he's not. Yeah, oh, okay. Not, yeah, I think so, he'll be twenty. Yeah, so he's so that 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 raises that raises his his value even even more so when you got a, a guy who's that young who already has you know three years of experience. Mm-hmm. Um. So listen, <clears throat> if anybody is willing to offer a first round pick for him, you take it. 
You don't you don't blink. You don't stutter. You accept it and hang up the phone without saying bye. So they don't even get a chance to change their mind when they hear themselves say it out loud. You 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 take it. Now, there's a few teams. Um Washington. The Colts. Now Washington seems, you know, more ideal. Yes, they have, you know, Alex Smith. Um he's he's definitely not the answer, no. but he he can buy them some time. And that gives them a chance to work on Sam on a day-to-day basis to ungaze him. Now, they sitting at 19. If they offer 19, you take you 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 take it. Um if if they don't want to offer first, I, I would be happy to take a second. Ryan Carrington, Ryan Kerrigan, and and like a fourth. Like out anything higher than the third, I'm I'm making that move for Sam. Mm-hmm. Um same with the Colts. Yeah. You know, same with the Colts. Um I think the Colts make sense. The Colts make sense. New Orleans could make sense. Yep. Um, you know, they're they're pressed for cash and, and you know, they're gonna be one of the major movers of, of bodies in the free agent market because they're so pressed. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Drew Brees, you know, did the thing with his contract and gave him a little bit of reprieve on 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 the money. But you got you got New Orleans. Um Orker came out that Winston is in the driver's seat, but Winston it, it, he ain't he under contract, so you know, yeah, yeah, a lot can change when people start uh promising you uh starting jobs and guaranteed money, right? So, you know, New Orleans can could do something. We know Carolina is 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 in the market for a quarterback, and I, I will say this, Matt, you you brought this up to me, I don't know, a couple months ago about them possibly moving on from Teddy. I wasn't too convinced of it, but again, you know, you right. now. Yeah. no, no, they are one. They are one hundred percent moving on from Teddy. They offered have, Teddy in their first rounder to to Detroit for Stafford. I, I've been saying it since they signed Teddy that Teddy's, you know, no pun intended, a bridge quarterback. They signed him to a, I think, a three-year deal. It was like three years, sixty million dollars, something in mm-hmm. that ballpark. Nothing crazy. Yeah. That's one year down, and you already know. So there's, yeah. there's absolutely no way. And especially I, I think the, their owner, Tepper, came out and said, like, when you don't feel like you got the quarterback, you go out and you get the quarterback. I think, obviously, if, you're, if your owner's making that comment, you're going out there and getting the quarterback yeah. in the draft, in the trade. They didn't get Stafford. Rumor was that they were had conversations, but there was never anything there. So to me, I think the Panthers either make sense as a trade partner to trade up or a team to trade Sammy to, because I think Sam, with the the weapons that they have over there, I think they're significantly closer to competing than a lot of people give them credit for. And I think they got the right coach in place. I think they have a good young defense. And, you know, obviously it doesn't hurt to have DJ Moore out over there and, and McCaffrey. And the, I think that the Panthers make a lot of sense from both perspectives, the draft and, you know, a trade with, for Sam. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see them giving up that seven for him, though. Oh no no! I, no, I, I would think one is that second round pick. Yeah, uh, and that's a. I think that's, I think that's what pick. number forty one or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like forty forty one, something yeah. like that. That's a premium pick, and we are and we alluded to this earlier is that 
there's so much talent that's going to spill just because of these four quarterbacks that's going to spill to that second round that you, you're you going to get a player that easily could have went in the first round at our pick in the second round at 33 – or I'm sorry, 34. And the Panthers picked, if let's say we did trade Sam at 41, 40, whatever it is, you're going to get a premium player. And I thought if the Panthers call and they're like, hey, second round, fourth round, give us, you know, Sam in a seventh or whatever – Bye. I'm, doing it. I'm hanging up the phone after I say yes, and he's on his way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just just what we said earlier, just with uh, this this year just being in so much flux, I think we're going to see a lot of first-round picks being traded. So, like, there, a lot of guys are going to be traded for proven commodities. So, Zeus Brown is going to go for maybe a second or first-round pick, guys like that. A lot of these teams that maybe Pittsburgh, you know, maybe they don't have anybody that – because they, they, they have to pay T.J. Watt. And I know they're probably going to have to pay some more guys to this. So they're going to lose some guys. Uh, maybe if they try to retain Bud Dupree or, or something like that, I could maybe they'll keep that. May, has Ben announced that he's coming back yet? Uh, they're, they're having a meeting about re- renegotiating his contract. Yeah. It's like $41 million. Wow. The, the owner said that if he comes back, it's going to have to be on a restructured deal. And he already okay. agreed to it. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a moot point. Yeah, but you know, a lot, a lot can still happen uh, between now and then too. All right, they can still. Well, we lost you for a second. They they could they could still they they could still make a, a move for Sam. You know, yeah, exactly. So, so you start looking at that too, and I, and I know that we we talked about this, you know, almost to exhaustion. If you get another first round to pick, are you sending all three to Texas? I mean, Houston. I'm already having I'm having a three way call. <laughs> All right. I'm having a three-way call, okay? Oh, you want Sam first-round pick? Okay, Texans, uh, we'll give you the first-round pick we just got. We'll give you two more first-round picks and a uh, fifth and uh, send him on his way. Does he agree? Yeah, done. I'm out. It's 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 a no-brainer. Like, it, 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 like you said, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but that was before the talk of Sam for first. So, like – you you get him, you ship him for a first. I Don't definitely, man. yeah. Like, all right, you want you want you want number two. You know the pick we just got, and I'll give you one next year. Yep, and somehow and, maintain a first this year. Oh, absolutely. and a first next year. Yeah, yeah. You give him two firsts this year, a first next year, and you still have a first this year and a first next year. No brainer. It's you know forget about it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's done. It's done. All right. All right. Good. Now, but but um, you know, another scenario I could see. How would you guys feel about trading Sam for a first and then drafting Wilson or Fields two, and then you have two other picks. You have two picks in uh, in the first round, or you uh, you get because remember, you know, a lot of I think there's a lot of premium talent that GMs are going to be the GMs are going to be comfortable with taking. How would you guys feel about if? Douglas used those two first rounders to move back into the top 12 and maybe get like a weapon. How would you guys feel about that? Like, so you get Wilson or Fields and then you get a, um, you know, you get a Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts or something like that. How do you guys feel? You guys know how I feel, but this is just, you know, I'm just. Uh, no, no to uh, Fields or Wilson because I don't like either of them and I'm I'm sure I'm going to ruffle some feathers with that, but no one no to that. Now, if you told me, hey, let's uh, trade out a two, and pick up one of those players you mentioned, they're a tackle, wide receiver, corner, whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm all for it. But if if I went with your scenario, I would be okay with it. 
you know, like, I mean, I'd accept it. And I honestly, I would like to get one of those top tier weapons. Cause I can guarantee you Waddle chase or Devante is going to fall, you know, further towards the back end of the top 10. So if you could sneak back in there or get a pits, one of the, you know, I, I think we discussed this earlier is that there's four quarterbacks that are going to go and they're going to push all that talent back. So there's going to be a number one quote unquote in a position group that drops back down into the back end of the top 10. So if you sure. did that, yeah, I wouldn't argue against it. I wouldn't be, wouldn't be upset, but uh, just based on the scenario and if I would do it, in the first place, absolutely not. So let, let me I'm gonna give you two names to start off my scenario. Jacoby Brissett, James Winston. Now I say those two names because this is what I would do. That number two pick is going on the auction block if if we trade Sam for the first, right? Um, whether it's Cincinnati, whether it's Carolina. The Eagles, you know, one of them. I, I doubt the Eagles do it. I, I think they're gonna go with with uh a wide hurts. But so I'm I'm auctioning that pick, right? Say we move to to eight with the Panthers, okay? They go to two, we go to eight. I'm gonna look this. I'm 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 already looking to sign me a bridge quarterback, a Jacoby Brissett. Or a, a you know James was one of those a, yep. a bridge quarterback. I'm trading back. I'm taking Trey Lance. Mm. If I trade back, not only do I get my quarterback for the future who I can sit and groom, um, I also got a boatload of picks that I've just just managed to get for mm. this draft and the next draft. So. Now I got all this capital to move how I want to move in that first round. Like you said, I could trade back into to you know top twelve, go get a Pitts or go get a Waddle or, or whomever, you know, depending on who who's there. But that's that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. I but, like it. You know, if they decide to stick I mean, with Wilson I mean, the Fields, I'm not mad at that. Now we're changing variables. We're changing variables now because if we want to, you already know I'm like king trade back because. Like right. If you do that. You know, you can always find. I said that in the beginning. I said that in the beginning of the season. If you want to do that, I wanted them to go after Stafford. Mm-hmm. So you know, then then and still draft um, and still draft Lance. So you know, if we wanted to do that, then ideally that's how we wanted to do it. But if you stay, we can't just assume that guys are going to want to move up for the number two. Maybe you know, maybe so, so they don't want to dra- you know surrender certain capital. So if you had to stay at two, then I guess um. That's when that scenario would be like if there's if there's no trades, who are you guys picking at too? Okay, so if there's no trades and we we're stuck at two, <laughs> I got I gotta go with Fields, man. Okay, I you know I would go with with Fields. I definitely wouldn't go with a wide receiver. <clears throat> oh, oh, yeah, good. And I'm seeing on, and I know that it's mock draft season. So, so until until we say otherwise, until you know, let, let's just pretend that we're going with that number two pick. Right. So, who are you taking, Matt? If there's no uh, trade, no, you don't get an offer that you like. There's no, you know, like like we're not getting cute and stuff like that. Number two, uh, who are you picking? Straight up, uh, yeah. Slater or Sewell. Okay. No, the, I'm not looking back. I'm sorry. I, I seen. I know that they play left tackle. I know we have what looks like a future all-pro tackle. Totally get it. These are college kids that are going to play wherever the hell they're put. But 
I'm sorry. I'm not convinced of any quarterback outside of Lawrence. And I think I've been pretty steadfast on that. I've been consistent with that uh, in every time we've discussed it. But yeah, uh, if, if I'm doing that, I'm Slater and Sewell on taking a bridge, signing a bridge quarterback, like, uh, like uh, Tyra said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, if I'm, if I'm stuck at two, um, I really don't, I really don't want to, that's tough, man. I really don't want to, cause I, cause I love the the tackle talent and I love the guard talent in this, in this draft as well too. So I probably go, and you guys know what my philosophy are. You got to get your quarterback, your left tackle, uh, your cornerback. So you got to get one of those two. And I personally don't really believe in Sam anymore. So I would go with Justin Fields. I know he holds on to the ball a little bit too long, but I think that the system that uh, Matt Mike LaFleur is coming from, I think that the, the pre-snap reads, I think they'll simplify things for Justin Fields too. So I would go with the quarterback, and then I would also trade Sam. I would trade Sam, so I would have two more picks too. And then you would do – you would have to do everything in your power to make sure that Justin Fields is successful. So that means – the next pick at 23, we either get a corner or we get the, the best tackles available and then we get him somebody to throw to. And then we just got to – you we would just have to invest everything into making sure that Justin Fields is successful. I think this just kind of highlights, though, the importance of fielding all offers, no pun intended again, is that this just shows the importance because I think when I listen to both you guys and we're putting this scenario where it's like we are forced to make this pick – and that could very well yeah. could be that that could be Joe Douglas's position that night. No, but you know, you don't want to get into a point where he's calling people. You want people. You want you the Cincinnati's. Yeah, you, you know, we want the bidding war. We want Cincinnati versus. Now. Yeah, it's we want Miami versus Cincinnati for Sewell. We want. We you want know, the Eagles for Jamar Chase. Exactly. We want, yeah, we want everybody that's willing to move up. Yep. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but but we also have to consider that maybe nobody wants to move up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's all. That's also a high possibility. And um, you know, so this is my draft season. I'm glad that we had this talk because I'm seeing all of these. You know, and I'll, I'll pull up. Um, you know, everyone's favorite draft analysis draft expert, quote unquote. Mel Kuyper has the Jets taking Devonte Smith, number two overall. So I, yeah, I'm not going to get into this. How, uh, TK, how do you feel about that? I think it's dumb. Listen, um, even if we were to keep Sam, drafting Devontae Smith at number two still is not the move. Like, it's, it's, it's just not, man. Um, if I'm going that high, I'm going premium, premium position. So, and, and you know, I don't think Sewell is a move either because we'll we'll be in a, a Zeus Brown situation in two years um, of either Beckton won't out because he wants to play left tackle or get left tackle money, whatever, whatever. So, nah, I I, I just I just wouldn't do it. And, and, and don't get me wrong, the, I like yeah, Smith. And for the and for the listeners at home, what TK is referring to is uh, Orlando Brown for the Ravens just came out and said that he's a left tackle. Now, if you guys, you know, know anything about the Ravens, you know that they just gave Ronnie Stanley, who was the left tackle, $100 million. So what we're referring to is we don't want to draft a big-time, you know, left tackle prospect and 
we already have a left tackle in house. But even now, I, th- I think that they're they're you know they're, the the Baltimore Ravens are in a different position right now. Stanley got hurt, and Zeus is just looking for an opportunity to maximize his earning potential. So I think that that's more so what it was about. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's good. So um, Matt, how do you feel about the uh, Devontae Smith at number two? LOL. Uh, first of all. This might also ruffle some feathers, but I think there's a debate to be had about who's wide receiver number one. I know Jamar Chase didn't play this year. I know Jalen Waddle, I think, was was hurt, you know, throughout the year. But I think there's a debate to be had uh, about who wide receiver number one is. But even with that being, you know, in consideration or up for debate, um, you don't take a wide receiver at two. No. You don't. You don't. Two, you guys look in the Super Bowl. Two. Yeah. Yeah, you look, at, you look at the Super Bowl teams. You look at all the good teams. How many good teams draft receivers in the first round? Good teams. So that means don't don't tell me about Cincinnati. Don't tell me about even the Falcons. Julio's great. AJ Green was great. Larry Fitzgerald was great. How many rings do all three of those guys have combined? Oh, same as, yeah, the same the same as me. So I think that you know I, I start thinking about receivers at the number two pick. I think about Charles Rogers. I think about all these other guys. I think about all these bums. Yeah, but Calvin Johnson. Bums. I think about all these guys who just didn't pan out. And I just think that – I think that if Joe Douglas picked – there's no way the same guy that had C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, and Jerry Judy on the board and took Mekhi Becton is going to now turn around this year yep. and take J- Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or Jalen Waddle, or any of these guys, number two overall, when his team is so devoid of talent, when he doesn't have a corner. When he doesn't have, well, he, most people don't think he has a QB. When he has holes all along the offensive line, so I just can't see this guy who was a lineman picking a wide receiver. And I can't honestly, guys, I can't even. I don't even think we have anything to worry about because Robert Sala is trying to build his team the right way. You cannot build your team the right way if you draft a wide receiver as your first pick as a head coach. Like I, I'm, I'm sorry, there's not too many wide receivers that that are team captains or. Or you know, leaders in the locker room. I just think that you have to pick a you have to pick somebody that's going to be around for the next decade. It's it's a you know they have to be a good locker room presence and they have to be a stud. So I just don't think I think Devontae Smith is going to be. I don't think he's going to be as good as some people think. I think he's going to be a good a good pro, but I think at number two is just I think it's just laughable. And now now we have to deal with that because ESPN is the, you know, worldwide leader in sports and Mel Kuyper is synonymous with mock drafts. I just I just really can't see that happening. And I would absolutely hate that. Uh yeah, I would probably I mean Jets fans notoriously aren't happy with draft picks as it is, but I, I think that there is a large portion of the fan base which I mean from what I've seen would love that pick. And I, I, for the life of me, can't figure it out. I think those people are all the people that are still in the Sam bandwagon, which obviously everyone knows if they're listening, they know I jumped off at the end of the season. Um, but Devontae Smith at two, what is he? Six, one, one seventy five, yeah. something like that. Dude's built like a toothpick and you're going to, you're going to take him number two overall amid, you know, I mean, let's just look at the corners on, in our division, right? You got Byron Jones, Avian Howard, Stephon Gilmore, Tredavious White, I'm sorry, man. Like Jamar Chase, first of all, is probably my wide receiver number one. But even at two, that that's just rich. It's, we're we're picking number two for a reason. You guys just heard me say, hey, I don't like any of the quarterbacks, and I will stay to that. I do like Trey Lance, not at two, but and I'll, I'll stick to that. But uh, Devontae Smith at two would be laughable. 
And that's just it. I mean, I don't, I don't see any justification for it. I, I think Mel Kuyper has a tendency to do what he would do. And if that's what he would do, there's a reason why he is a wrong 99.99% of the time because that is not what NFL front offices should or will do because, you know, they're NFL front offices. Exactly. I, I, yeah, that's what I think, too. I just I just don't think – I just think the way Robert Sala wants to play football, the way Joe Douglas wants to build his team, I just can't see them picking a wide receiver at number two overall. I just think they would be – I mean, honestly, if he if he did that, then I, right. I would – his days would be numbered. That, that that's just that's just straight up how I feel at it. I, I think it's either I think it's either left tackle, cornerback, or or quarterback. Or so I can see, honestly, I wouldn't even be mad if it was Caleb Fairley. Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't think yeah if if you know if you don't get any offers or anything like that, I wouldn't be mad with Caleb Fairley. And I was and you know you'll just say hey listen we couldn't stop we couldn't really stop the pass and none of us would argue with that too because Fairley is a is, is an elite prospect I would I would say two would be a little bit rich, but um, at, at, at that point really you had to do it. So so yeah man I, that that that's how I'm feeling about it. I just think we're going to have to be prepared to. Uh, see a lot of this and see a lot of chatter from Jets fans thinking that what they should do. And also just, just to say, uh, just to go back to what you said, Matt, even if you keep Sam Smith, shouldn't be the pick. Absolutely not. No, absolutely no. not. He should not be the pick. I get it. Everyone's sitting there like Sam hasn't had the weapons. And I think we all agree. I think we all agree that Sam was, was given a raw deal. He was given a terrible coach for two years that ruined him further when it was promised us that the coach was going to make him better. Totally get it. I'm on board with that. I agree. But I'm sorry, guys. Devontae Smith, great player. I'm sure he'll have a good career. He'll probably go to Miami or the Falcons, who always draft wide receivers in the first round for whatever reason, or probably the Eagles, something like that, or Detroit, every team after us. But I'm sorry, man. I get it. Sam hasn't had weapons. I get it. But even if you keep Sam – and you, you really try to build that roster and fill that roster out. Wide receiver at two is, is laughable. It's laughable. And, and you yep. just don't do it. Listen, left tackle I, is a left tackle is a weapon because he's he's keeping you off your backside. So yeah, I, you know, you know that you know that's a weapon. And honestly, though, when, when you're picking this high, it can't just be like, oh, we we gotta get this guy weapons. Cause you know, as, as we as we've said, the, the Jets have four picks in the top one hundred, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so I think so. so. I think that um, I think that just just because number two, if if uh, QB isn't picked or if Sewell isn't picked, I just didn't, don't think you know people don't have to get up in arms because it's a complete draft. So as long as I think as long as the Jets come out of here with at least another wide receiver, you add some pieces in free agency, like you know you can start accumulate some weapons for um, for Sam. But um, um, what other what other mock drafts did you guys come across? I know Matt, you said um, you saw a CBS mock. That you want to yes, talk about? CBS has a couple. Uh, I'm not too familiar with these, you know, analysts. I guess any anybody in the world can get a get a blue yeah, check. Yeah, everybody, everybody's an analyst. Everyone's a mock draft aficionado. So exactly, yeah. Yeah, we all have YouTube and social media. Exactly, but uh, I, I, this guy Ryan Wilson, uh, CBS sports guy, I guess, has us taking Sewell at two. Um, I think we kind of you know, went into that a little bit. I think that the fan base, depending on what they decide to do with Sam, it's interesting, but everyone else, it seems to be Zach Wilson, PFF. I know Zach Wilson. Um, I think just to quickly touch on this, 
Oh, that's interesting. But uh, quickly touch on this. I, I don't want it to get lost. We also hold the 23rd pick, which I think is kind of important to, to jump into real quick about what we're going to do there. It's a premium pick. It it's is a premium, a premium pick. pick, and we very well could end up with a third first rounder, depending on the Sam stuff. Um, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but everywhere I've looked, I see uh, J.C. Horn, the, the corner from, from South Carolina. I see him everywhere for us at 23. It's almost like the lock of the draft. I mean, when you start to see it everywhere, it just kind of becomes believable. So I think uh, I think – seeing a lot of these mocks with J.C. Horn there, I think it's an interesting pick. I think he's a – if we take anything from the Super Bowl and all the penalty calls that they called uh, for uh, OPI and, and holding, I think J.C. Horn's going to have a tough time. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that he's synonymous with that 23rd pick. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, sign me up for J.C. Horn. Uh, you already said he fits the build, what, 6'1", 6'2", 205, NFL jeans. Joe Horn was his dad, the receiver from New Orleans. Uh, sign me up for that. I'm down for J.C. Horn. I'm down for Joseph Osai. I'm down for Carlos Basham at that point. I think all those guys are going to be in play. Uh, if you get Zach Wilson or Justin Fields and you want to get him a running mate, I could see um, – I could maybe uh, – is Hunter Long supposed to sneak into the – no, I'm sorry, Freyamuth, Pat Freyamuth, right? Yeah. Okay, maybe he sneaks into the into the first round no matter how things go. I could see – I'm I'm okay with a receiver at that point. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself, but I think that you could probably get yourself uh, a good guard in the second round. I think Wyatt Davis is in play at 23. Um, maybe Wyatt Davis might be in play at 34 as well too. So I think uh, I think you can do a few things with with that spot. That is that is definitely a premium pick. And um, we could also just like we mentioned before, if you if you if you're off of Sam at that point, let's say you. You know, you draft uh, you draft Wilson Fields too. Then right after that, you trade Sam to New Orleans, whatever teams that we already mentioned. I know Indianapolis is really in the market for a quarterback. If we get to twenty one, we can get we we can really start cooking. Maybe package that up and then move up, or just take two really solid players right there. So I think the twenties, a lot of Justin Jefferson was uh, just drafted in the twenties. So yeah. there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of good talent in the twenties. So how do you feel about it, TK? Well, you know, just to go back to what you said about Sam right there, my hope is that they, if they do decide to trade him, they do it before the draft. That way they don't shortchange themselves on what they can get. Um, one thing I, I, I can say, it's been quiet, you know, in Joe Douglas land, unlike with, you know, Mac and the rest of them, you know, a bunch of noise, a bunch of rumors, innuendo, all of that. It's been pretty quiet, so... I'm hoping if they do move him, it'll be before the draft. But if they do move him and, and you know, we're sitting there with 19 and 23 or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be mad at any of those. I like Horn. Um, honestly, man, I think any of the guys you name would – would be fine. You know, We if we get Wide Davis there, if we get Horn there, if we get um, – I don't think I go twenty three for Pat Frymuth. I'm I'm not too too I'm not, sure. I'm not, you know, I think the gap between Pitts and him is just gigantic. Oh no no, it's, um, yeah, it's huge. I was thinking more so if you get uh, you know, like you know, a lot of teams they'll draft their quarterback and then draft a tight end so he could be their safety. Yeah. And I was thinking, I was speaking just, Andrew Luck type thing. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, I, was yeah, thinking, yeah, I, yeah I was thinking, yeah, like they do it all the time. You know, they did it with uh, Stafford and Pettigrew. You see guys do that right. all the time. So that's you know, so that's that was my thinking. Yeah. 
Um, honestly, I I could also I could also see see um Joe taking say that twenty third and dropping back to twenty seven and picking up another third or yeah. you know like we he showed us last year he he's not afraid to wheel and deal in the thick of of the draft. Mm-hmm. So well, he did I, it. He did it I, at I, I, premium spots too. He was doing that in the second yeah. round for him to trade back those times and still get Denzel Mims. You know, almost makes me forget that he drafted James Morgan. <laughs> you will never forget it because you oh, managed no, to throw, <laughs> throw, throw James Morgan out there listen, every I'm episode. Sure, <laughs> listen, I'm matured a lot, but I'm still that kind of petty. Oh yeah, I think the best part of it is though is that we yeah. have this all we have this all recorded for our reference. So when we look exactly. back on it, when the draft comes up and, and we see you know who we really liked and who we you know maybe didn't talk about or we talked about a lot that ends up really doing something on the field, we'll be able to say, hey, we'll be able to point that something and be like, hey, we 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 told y'all, we we said it. But uh, sure. yeah, I I think that twenty three, I, right. I agree with the whole potential to trade back, uh, maybe wheel and deal. You get let's say 28 from the saints for, for Sam, honestly, there's as dark as it was this year, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. If the jets get this right. So I I think, I think it's going to be very interesting to say the least. I I think, you know, there's a lot of light anyways, because you finally have your, 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 your house in order, your foundation in order with your front office and your head coach and his staff and his scouting department. Like it's, it's been it, the, the hire of, of Salah was a home run and he hit a lot of triples and doubles with the guys that he picked up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, 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 you know, we're, we're in a good spot, man. I, yeah. I, the, the same old Jets is done. It's, it's done. Listen, you know, I'm always going to, you know, I'm always going to be a, a pessimist when it comes to this, because just when you've had so many years of ineptitude. So I, to be real, like I, I'm kind of changing my stance a little bit. I think the Jets are in a good spot regardless. Damn near 100 million, we'll say 85 million in cap, maybe even more when they cut some of these people that are just collecting checks. You got I think if you keep Sam and you protect him and you just, you have to, you really have to, he's not a force multiplier. He's not going to make everybody around him better. He's going to need help from his supporting cast, which is fine. There's playoff teams that do that. There's teams that are really good that do that. And then when they can, they can, you know, they upgrade the position just like the Rams did. Like Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. So if you can protect your quarterback enough and you can build a good team around him, you can do a lot of things. I think if the Justice have to go with a rookie at number two, or if they decide to keep Sam, I just think, just like you said, TK, the house is in order and it starts from the top down and it seems like it's starting to trickle. We got a good GM, we got a head coach. Now we just got to get the rest of this in order. And, you know, and, um, you know, this is this is the season of hope. And I think we will. I think so too, man. That's, you know what? <laughs> that, that, that'll be a good name for this episode, the season of hope. Right. Yeah. And the best part is, too, is we didn't even get to free agency yet. We don't know. These needs are, are fluid, right? These needs are right. going to change as we address Absolutely. the needs in free agency. So there's Absolutely. plenty to talk about, plenty to discuss. And, yeah, season of hope. I'm here for- I, I, I think uh, I, I think that would probably be a good idea for the next episode. Um, moving to the free agency 
um, a little bit, considering you know what came out today about Juju and 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 Fuller, you know, being the top of the Jets list. Uh, and, you know, we didn't even touch on that because of all the other stuff. So, I, I think a little free agent discussion would be uh, pretty good, man, on, on our next run. Sounds good. So, uh, you guys got anything you wanna you wanna add? No, I'm good. I think I talked enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I think we covered a lot today. I think there's still plenty to talk about, and I uh, can't wait to uh, dive in uh, on on a future episode. Yeah. Um, before we we do get out of here, man, um, I I know you guys are, are huge baseball fans, um, and, and I do want to send condolences to the families. Uh, the the employees, ESPN, the friends of uh, Pedro Gomez, mm-hmm. who who passed away unexpectedly at 58 years old, um, and also uh, and this guy I kept up with for a little bit, uh, Therese Paler. Uh, he writes for Yahoo and covers the Kansas City Chiefs. He just died today unexpectedly at 37. So. Wow. Condolences to, Marty to, to those guys. And, and, and uh, Marty Schottenheimer just passed away. R.I.P. So, uh, you know, our heartfelt condolences to the family, the friends, the loved ones of all those gentlemen. And, you know, it's it's tough, man. This, this, this last year or so has been tough to, on everybody. So, <sighs> well, as always, guys, I enjoyed, you know, talking with you guys, talking just football. Um, for those listening, please continue to to support us. Uh, please continue to share our work. Uh, leave us some reviews on 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 uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. We're, we're everywhere with it. So please continue to support what we're doing and you know help us grow this thing pretty big. Um, But as always, we appreciate you guys. We thank you guys for the love and support. And we look forward to talking to you guys on the next episode. Y'all have a good one.